Um, anyways, we're glad you're here. Thank you for, uh, for uh, worshiping with us this morning. We are in our series, The Jesus Creed. We're, uh, we started it last week. And um, before we jump in, though, we also this last week had uh, a first Wednesday. We had our March first Wednesday, and it was our, our, uh, the, the first Wednesday in which we kind of joined with our high school department, and they, uh, they send off every year um, a, uh, a trip to Mexico, a Mexico mission trip. And this, this past um, first Wednesday was our Mexico mission auction. And just to give you an update, so uh, we had... Uh, easily, easily set records. So we had the, the, the most we've ever had at a first Wednesday. We get this. We had, when you like count, like adults, everyone here, we had 450 people here on a first Wednesday. That was like, it was awesome. It was so cool, okay? So this room was full. If you were here, you, you felt that. You're like, man, there's barely any seats. Like we're pulling out literally every table we have in the church to, to fill it up. It was awesome. Um, and here's the cooler part though. So we had this auction and uh, previously we had raised, I think we, we bring in around $10,000 was I think last year. That was like a record. We, we said, man, that was like incredible, incredible. $10,000 to support the youth to go on this mission trip. Okay, this, this time, uh, of, course, of course, we had to outdo ourselves. Um, we brought in over $14,000 for this trip. Isn't that awesome? It's like 14 and a half. Like, so, so um, and, and you know, we, we got to pray with them also. There's, you know, 45 high schoolers up here um, that we're sending off and praying for. And then the coolest part, I think the coolest part was when we brought all of our uptown, our um, difference makers, the elementary kids, and they made like little, uh, little, uh, uh, bus, bus bags were like a little love ya, hey, thinking about you. here's like a goodie bag on the bus ride and they got to hand it out to every kid so every high school student got it was, and then we got to pray over them and, and uh, it, was, it was a great night it was a great night, so um, good job youth team and um, uh, students, kids for, uh, for making that all work, it was, it was wonderful um, so we are jumping in Two, week two of the Jesus Creed. The Jesus Creed, we talked about last week, and if you missed it, uh, we'll kind of catch you up a little bit. Um, the Jesus Creed is this. Um, okay, put it on the screen. Remember, I told you, we're gonna, we're gonna memorize this together. Do you think you can do this? Do you think you can do it? All right, so last week, your homework was memorize the Jesus Creed. We're gonna do this each week, and we're gonna just test ourselves and be like, all right, all right, I can do that, right? We're missing a few words, but I can do that. Okay, so here we go, the Jesus Creed. Ready? Do it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your... What? You filled in the blanks. You gave them the answers. We'll give it to you this week, okay? Next week, next week. Okay, can we start over? I shouldn't have looked back. I shouldn't have looked... All right. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ooh, it's even better when I don't do it because then you have to like do it. You can't follow my lead. Okay, that, that is the Jesus Creed. So we're going to spend the next few weeks um, just continuing to memorize that and recite it because if you remember your homework last week was to begin to memorize that but then also to recite it in the morning and the evening. 
that this idea of reminding myself of what Jesus says is the, literally the two greatest commandments to love God and to love others. All right, when I wake up, I'm gonna just, just the, the pattern of my life is to remind myself to just recite this. It takes, what was that, 15 seconds maybe? And then before I go to bed, to remind myself of what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. So we talked about the Jesus Creed, what it is, and 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 it's so much more than just simply Jesus kind of pulling out um, some Old Testament commands and saying, I really like these ones. It was, it was so much more than that. And what he's doing is he's making an amendment to what's called the Shema. And, and if you want to catch up, you can go watch online last week. Um, we talked all about Shema and, and why Jesus chooses this and what he does with this and why this is so important and so pivotal. And we talked about how and what Jesus does is he says, here's, what, here's the most important thing. Okay, let me summarize all of it. Ready? It's to love God like this on a vertical plane. So it's you saying, all right, I'm gonna love God with all that I am, with, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, like every part of me. And then there's a horizontal element. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And there's a, there's a part where we say we love God and now we, we love other people. And this is the part that he added that isn't part of the Shema, that, that they would have been like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing, why are you adding something to our like most sacred text? And Jesus summarizes all of it and says, love God and love others. There's a vertical focus and a horizontal focus. So now we're gonna look at, okay, what is this, how, how does the Jesus creed, if this really is the kind of the center of what he says is the greatest commandment, like this summarizes all of it, this is at the heart of who Jesus is and his mission and what he's preaching and, and, and like where he's going and who he's talking to. Where else does this show up in, in the gospels and, and in particular with Jesus's ministry? Because wouldn't you know it, when you start to look for the Jesus creed, you see it everywhere. You realize that, that isn't it just a, a one conversation that he has with, with a, you know, a lawyer with a, with a scribe? That this is something that, that marked everything he did. So we're gonna look at, I think, might be some more kind of aha moments where you, you realize there's so much more to this than just simply love God and love others and like that's a really nice, that's a really nice commandment, Jesus. That he, that there's, that he actually centers much of what he does around that focus. So the Jesus Creed as a prayer. So what would the Jesus Creed be if it were a prayer? And wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it that Jesus has a very, a very specific, very important prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And wouldn't you know it that the Lord's Prayer is also an amendment of another Jewish prayer similar to the Jewish creed, that he's actually taking another prayer and making it his own. In Hebrew, it's called the Kaddish. Here it is. This is a Jewish prayer that they even pray to this day. And, and oftentimes it's called, um, it's called the mourner's Kaddish because they'll, they'll say it at funerals, at, at, uh, at Jewish funerals, um, and because it's, it's like just a part of who they are. And here it is. Ready? Just, just tell me. We're going to read through this. You'll, it'll be on the screen. And just see if you hear any bit of the Lord's Prayer in this Kaddish. Here it is. Magnified and sanctified be his great name in the world he created according to his will. May establish his kingdom during your life and during your days. 
and during the life of all the house of Israel, speedily and in the near future. And then everyone, and then they would say, everyone now say amen and say amen. Now, you hear that and you say, ooh, that sounds familiar to another prayer, to the Lord's prayer. So when, when Jesus then says, when they, his disciples say, hey, teach us how to pray. Lord, like we want to learn, we want to know, we want to grow in our understanding of, of who God is. Can you teach us how to pray? And, and wouldn't you know it? He amends the Kaddish, which they would have known. And he, and he says, all right, this then, this is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven. We probably know this one. Our Father in heaven. He used a very specific word there for Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Holy be your name. The Kaddish says, magnified and sanctified be his great name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That sounds very much like a paraphrase and a kind of a, a in your own words, restatement of the Kaddish. That he's talking about God's kingdom and God's will and that, that hallowed be, like holy be your name. And then he adds to it because Jesus likes to do this. He adds extra to this Kaddish. Verse 11, he says this, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Wouldn't you know it that when you start thinking about in terms of the Jesus creed that this action that this really does mark Jesus's ministry his philosophy his understanding of who, of who God is and who people are that it shows up even things like the Lord's prayer and you say wait a minute in the Lord's prayer we have verses 9 and 10 a very much a ver vertical focus on God hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, what does he do? And then he adds another horizontal plane to it. And he says, now, now let's pray for us. We're gonna pray to God and we're gonna worship God and we're hallowed be your name. We're gonna ask for your kingdom to come. And then we're gonna pray. But also, also, Lord, give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive other people and, and deliver us. And, and so Jesus, even in the Lord's Prayer, has this focus on God and focus on people. There's a vertical and a horizontal element to the Jesus, to, in the Jesus, his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and it comes from his understanding of the Jesus Creed. Now, what Jesus taught about prayer specifically was different now than, than what they would have understood to be true. What Jesus taught about prayer is this, and the, to approach God as a, a specific word, as Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word. And it's, it's a word that is translated as father. In Greek, it's translated as pater. And, and so like when Jesus is saying this, pray this way, our father in heaven, he's saying, all right, Abba. We see this a few times in scripture where he, he uses this term and in, in a few portions they just they leave it in there. They don't even transliterate it or translate it. They just put it in there. And, and, and he says it um, uh, um, at, uh, at the, the Garden of Gethsemane when he's like struggling. He's like Abba. He calls him Abba. We see Paul use this, the same term. He says Abba Father. That We cry out as sons, Abba Father. And, and so this, this word, Abba, is actually like... It's more than just, just simply a, 
well, it's just the, the word they use for father. No, 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 it's, it's much more than that. Paul uses it even as like, like within his theology that this is very specific. And, and here's the thing. So I don't know what you've heard about the term Abba. Maybe you've heard someone preach on this before and, and you know, it's great. Um, and, and often it's referred to as this, as like a term of endearment. Like, oh, that, it just means daddy. Oh, daddy. But it means so much more than that. It's not just like, like, it's not just when a little kid is referring to their father and they're really little and they call him daddy. Though, though they do that. If you go to Israel and you, you'll hear this. I just went on, this was one of the, the kind of aha moments I had when I was uh, on my sabbatical this last summer. And uh, me and my, uh, my buddy are doing this Jesus trail and we're, you know, every, every night's a pit stop at a different spot. And one of them, we stayed at a kibbutz, which is kind of a Jewish settlement. Um, a really nice Jewish settlement, by the way. Like, whoa, okay. It was our nicest hotel we stayed at by far. Um, and it was all, this was what was really funny. I should have took pictures. Um, it was all, pretty much all Orthodox Jews and us two hikers. <laughs> So we would show up for meal, like, you know, for dinner at the same time as them, and everyone's waiting in the line, and they're, you know, dressed nice, and the kids, and, and we're just, like, literally kind of just come off the trail, and we're just, you know, beat up, dirty, and like, oh, we're just ready for food, and, and you know, all the kids are looking at us, kind of just like, what are, everyone looked at us like, what are you guys doing here? This is our, like, what are you doing here? And it's, it's totally veiled, like, anyone can go there, but, so we go there, and this is what was so cool. I, you know, they're speaking, they're speaking Hebrew, and I don't know, I mean, I've studied Hebrew, but like not enough to be able to understand or have a conversation. But I, I pick up words here and there, and one of the things I hear that all the kids saying when they come to their dad is, Abba, 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 and then they would go into, you know, whatever they want, like, you know, more mac and cheese, please. Like, Abba, 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 and you just hear this all the time. I'm, I'm going, oh man, this isn't just, this isn't just Jesus saying this, you know, 2,000 years ago, Abba, this, this, this term of endearment that they have for their dad is today, like used today. Abba, 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 Abba. And, and Abba isn't just simply like, hey, daddy, daddy, daddy. It actually comes with, there's some, there's some more to it than just simply that. So there's two elements to Abba. The first is a level of intimacy. It isn't just the, you know, the, the father or, or, you know, father sounds so distant. Um, my kids, uh, my kids will do this. It started as a joke, and now, now they know it gets to me, so they keep doing it. They'll call me father. Now that sounds fine, right? Except when you hear it, when your kids come in, you're like, "Father, can you get me some cereal?" <laughs> what? S- excuse me. It sounds so formal and distant, and and especially my older son, he just thinks it's so funny. So they, like, "Hey, father, you need to take me uh, to practice." I'm like, "Well." <laughs> Excuse me, how about you use my real name, which is dad, right? It's not father, because father sounds so just stale. Father, right? And, and especially, I, I'll let the older ones do it, but then when Kira, my littlest, my, my princess, when she's like, hey, father, can you come here? I'm like, listen, don't let them convert you, okay? You stay innocent and pure. Just daddy, call me dad. Don't ever call me anything other than daddy. And, she's like, and then she'll say this, okay, Brandon, That's like, is there anything more painful than a child using your name, right? It's just sort of, this sound right. That's like, just, you can't do that. And, and so when they say Abba, there is a level of intimacy that's so much greater than father. They're not saying father. They're saying dad, dad, dad. 
So Jesus is saying, when you pray, you should pray, Abba, Dad. But it's more than just that. That's where we stop usually, where we think of Abba. But Abba also comes not with just a, a, sense, a, a sense of intimacy, but it, it also comes with a level of authority. Abba also doesn't just mean intimacy. It also means, ready, obedience. So Abba, Abba is, Daddy, whatever you say. Daddy, I'll do whatever you ask. Daddy, whatever you want me to do. Daddy, you tell me. I'm in charge. I'm, I'm, I'm now on a, on a crusade to get my kids to call me Abba. <laughs> I don't know if it will take, but there is a level of like, Daddy, but also, hey, you're the dad, and you're in charge, and, and I'll obey, and whatever, all right. There's an act of obedience to, to the, the Father's authority. So when Jesus says this, when he adds, when he talks about this is how you should pray, he says, all right, here's how you should pray, ready? You're, you're gonna pray to Abba. Abba, because he's your dad. You know him personally, intimately. There's, it's much more than just simply the father up there, but this is dad. But also, listen, there's a, a level of submission and obedience to say, all right, but you are dad. All right. So when he prayed, we see this, that, that in that what Jesus taught about, about prayer and about the Father was that, ready? That Abba loves you. That Abba loves you. That, that the Father isn't some distant God far away that you just have to appease and try to just, 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 do, just keep him from getting angry. Just, keep, just don't let Dad get upset. It's not that. that. That the Father you're praying to isn't some just sort of just recite this thing or, or just say these words in this order, say this prayer, but instead, this is your Abba. And they would get that. They would say, oh, I have an Abba. I have a real Abba. That's my dad. And so he says, when you pray, you pray like this, our Abba in heaven. Ooh, that changes it. And he sees, what he's doing is he's connecting people on a level with the love of God that he loves us. And so we love and we follow and this is our dad and we obey and we respect and we submit to Abba. So he, we see in the Lord's prayer, he, he, we see the Jesus creed all over this. Now, let's talk about the horizontal element. Where do we see that show up? Because it's everywhere. So if we were to say, what is the Jesus creed as a parable? There is a, a, a parable that, um, that very much so, very much so you see the Jesus creed all over it. And that parable is, if you can guess, the, what we call the prodigal son, the love of Abba. So here's what's interesting. The love of Abba sh it probably shines the greatest in Jesus's, in this parable, the the pro what we call the prodigal son, but it's really, it probably should be called the love of the father or, or the two prodigal sons because there's two sons and two, two of them, both of them need the father. We focus on the one that gets like all the fame, but then there's an older brother who's kind of like in the shadows and probably a lot of us relate with the older brother. And we see the love of the father shine through the prodigal son. Now, um, there, it comes out in Luke 15 where we see this and, and it starts with, um, there's a, a few things where Jesus is talking about lost stuff. He talks about um, uh, uh, in the midst of all of this lost things, he talks about the lost son. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and then he gives what we call the prodigal son, which is really probably the lost son. And, and it starts though with this, and this is, we're gonna um, read this and then we're gonna come back to it. It starts with this. In, in verse one, 
It says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That's important. So all of these not religious people are wanting to come hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious ones, they muttered. Here it is. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They throw out this accusation, which we'll look at here again in a second. But this is how it starts. So there's, a, there's all these, these people wanting to listen to Jesus. And in the midst of that, all the religious people are like, can you get a look at this guy? This guy who's out there teaching, like, he actually, like, he welcomes them. And he eats with them. This is no rabbi welcoming sinners and eating with them. That's how it starts. So then Jesus hears this and knows this, and he says, all right, let me tell you, let me give you some parables about these so-called sinners you talk about. And, and in, in doing so, let me reveal the heart of the Father to you. That's the context by which we hear, and we, we, like when we see and we read the, um, the prodigal son, the lost son, it's, it's Jesus responding to people accusing him of being friends of sinners. So we go through this parable and Jesus says, all right, let me tell you, let me tell you um, a story. There's a father, he had two sons. And, and the younger son said, father, I want my inheritance early. Which means I want you, like the, the inheritance I get when you die, I want it now. In Jewish culture, you don't get that money early nor do you ask for it early. You wait until the father dies and then the oldest, the oldest child, the oldest son gets, um, gets two portions and then the remaining get kind of one portion. They divvy it up. So he's saying this, dad, I wish you were dead already so I could get my money. And as a, as a very bad Jewish father, the dad says, okay, What? That's the first twist in the story that the father actually agrees to this. Like what father's like, you know what? Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. You know what? I, it sounds like you really do care about me. You love me. You want me dead. So here you go. Here's, all, here's the money you should be getting. You would hear that and say, that is not right. That certainly is not a child obeying Abba. But he gives it to him. And he goes and he, he goes to far off country and he squanders it all on wild living, the Bible says. And then he gets to the point where he's wallowing in the mud with, with like pigs. And he's like, he, he gets hired as a helping hand to feed the pigs. And he's like, man, the pigs eat better than I do. I need to go back home because my father has all kinds of resources and people helping out and servants and people, people working for him. And like, he was a wealthy guy. And here I am literally, literally in the mud eating with pigs. So he decides, I'm gonna go back. He rehearses this speech that he's gonna walk through with his dad and, and try and try to just try to become a part of the family again. And he and he even says, like, I'll just be a servant. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just just put just make me one of your servants again. I, I'll just help out. And here's what we see. He decides to come back, and it says this in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This, this was undignified and unheard of. First, that a man of his respect and reputation would run. You don't run. You don't run ever. You're never in a rush. And so when, when he sees his, his son off, which means he's probably looking and waiting for him to come, he's waiting every day looking for him, and then he finally sees him, he just takes off to him. 
right? He just, he just runs as fast as he can. And it says he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, this is the son who took for them a third of your resources and wasted it all on wild living. And now he's coming back. And before he even says anything, he runs to him and throws his arm around him, kisses him. And then the son just starts to recite the speech that he's like, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me a hired servant. And he doesn't even listen to him. He says, hey, bring out the fattened calf. Get the robe. Get the ring. Put it on his finger. My son is back. He doesn't even care. He's like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. I just want to know I love you. You need to know you're welcome. Back in my my family. Be like, you're here. Back in my house. Like, you are now a part of us again. And it ends with him saying, what was lost is now found. He's back. He's returned. Here's what we see. Jesus gives this parable because he's being accused of hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and, and, and even eating with them. And, and what he says is, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the love of Abba. That you and I, ready? You and I are all the sons in this story. And at different times in your life, you're probably, maybe you switch between the two sons. And, and, and for all of us, what he's saying is this, the love of the Father is one that welcomes you with open arms and love. The love of Abba is greater than anything you can do, any sin you can commit, anything, any, any, any amount of disrespect can be forgiven because of the love of Abba. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Certainly, we, there are consequences for what we do. It doesn't mean you get like a get out of jail free card, but it does mean you can be accepted and loved and a part of Abba's family. Jesus tells this story and what you, what you see is the love of Abba now as a part of this love God. Like, man, all of it, all of it is because he loves us. Now, here's another element that is interesting. He, Jesus just got accused of this. Um, he'll be accused of it more throughout his ministry. And it's this, the Jesus Creed as a meal. That the Jesus Creed we see come out in meal times with Jesus. And we see this, that he is eating with sinners. Can you imagine? Can you believe that Jesus would eat with a sinner? You and I, we, we never would we do such a thing. But he did. Now, that attitude was actually held by the Pharisees. That we can't associate with any of those sinners. But Jesus did all the time. One of the greatest, greatest displays of the Jesus Creed being lived out is Jesus eating with the undesirables, the outcasts, the people that you should not and would not, if you were a good Jew, you don't associate with them. Don't even hang out with them. Don't go into their home. Don't talk to them. Certainly don't touch them because they will make you unclean. So they had all kinds of rules uh, around and laws around like what you can do and what you can't do and, and, and where you can eat and who you can eat with and what you should touch. And you need to be like wash your, like ceremonial. You need to be clean before you go to a meal. Like all of this stuff to keep them from being like defiled or unclean in any way. And then this rabbi shows up and he's like, I don't care about any of those things. I'm just gonna go eat with these people. And they're looking at this, like, this is incredible. How can he do this? How can this rabbi who claims, who claims to be a righteous man, 
how can he defile himself? And not only is he in their presence, but like they're sharing food. They're eating the same thing. In Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? This is chapter two. Like we're at the very beginning. Here's what we see. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, a tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many at that point who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collectors and sinners, like tax collector was, was just kind of a euphemism for like the worst of the worst because they knew that, that a lot of these tax collectors were Jewish, but they sided with the Romans and they decided, I'm gonna help the Romans collect taxes and often from other Jews. So they're looking at them as these are traitors to their people. They're, 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 they're literally ripping us off and robbing us and they're giving it to the Romans. These are the worst of the worst. To be a, to be a tax collector is like, for, in their mind is the job you don't take. If, if your child becomes a tax collector for them, you've essentially lost them. Tax collectors and other sinners, like just a kind of a, a broad term for like all of these probably Gentiles, and we know Jesus hung out with some pretty gnarly dudes. And, and why does he eat with the, literally the traitors to our, our people? The people he claims to love and be a part of. The people that, that, like, that, tr- that, left, that left us. He eats with them. Them and all their friends? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, here it is, ready? Tell me if you hear the Jesus creed at all. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call righteous, but sinners. It's not the healthy who knew the doctor, it's the sick. And so what he says is this, listen, part of what I'm doing here is loving my neighbor as myself. And you know who my neighbors are? All of these tax collectors and sinners. And so I'm going to spend my time with them. Not with this, this kind of self-righteous people who think they got nothing wrong and they got no issues, but he says, no, I'm I've come, not for you guys. You guys claimed that. You guys, you guys got it all figured out, right? These people, these people. These are the sick. These are the ones that really do need a doctor. You would think, okay? For us, we hear that and we say, all right, that's no big deal. That's fine. I, listen, I eat with sinners all the time. <laughs> Every meal I have is with a sinner. <laughs> and so it's like, that's just kind of normal. But, but when, like, when he's talking about sinners, when, they, when the critique is leveled to him that you eat with sinners, they're not talking about people that just kind of sin here and there. They're talking about the worst of the worst. They're talking about people who are ostracized in society, who you wouldn't go near. They're, they're talking about the people that, that, listen, okay, now, 21st century, that you would have a hard time associating with. The people that you would, would want to say, oh, I probably shouldn't go there. I don't want to be seen with them. Jesus says, that's exactly where I'm going, to be seen with them. Here's another, uh, it shows up again in Matthew chapter 11 because um, this, this critique is leveled to him a lot. And Jesus understands this. He, he knows he has a reputation and it's not a good one. He says this in Matthew, uh, Matthew 11, for John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking and they say he has a demon. He's like, all right, John didn't, didn't eat or drink and do the stuff that I'm doing. He has a demon. 
the son of man, myself, came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then he says, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. He says, listen, I don't care what you say. Judge me by what I do. Judge me by the outcome of this. Jesus knew his reputation. He knew his reputation was, this guy is a glutton because all he does is like to, he just likes to eat food and a drunkard because he likes to drink with them. Now, Jesus wasn't getting drunk and he wasn't an actual glutton where he's just like, like in, the, in, the, in the sinful term where they would just eat like resources and eat beyond their means. He wasn't any of that. But it was the fact that he was doing it with these sinners that they said, look at this, look at this guy, he's terrible. He just eats and drinks with them. And Jesus knows this and he says, guess what? I got another party planned tomorrow. <laughs> I got another guy, I got another guy, I'm going to his house and I'm gonna hang out with him and I'm gonna dine with him and his family because, listen, it's not the healthy who need the doctor. It's the sick. Jesus says this, ready? Hey, here's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, ready? To do life with them. He was, listen, he was loved by the lowest of the low, by the people that we wouldn't associate with. He was loved by them because he spent time with them and he did life with them and he ate with them. He helped them in their needs and, and, and their recognition for needing salvation and man, he met it. So here's what we're saying, okay? Here it is. Summary of this morning is this. If you take seriously the Jesus Creed and you decide, all right, I'm gonna obey this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna love God with all that I am and I'm gonna love others as myself. Here's the deal, ready? It's going to get messy. If you take this seriously, that I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself, don't expect it to be nice and neat and clean. And listen, don't be surprised if other people, even other Christians, start to accuse you of things. Or you, you develop a reputation of, oh, but do you know who he hangs out with? Do you know who she, I saw her with the other night? Yes, the sick. You saw them doing what Jesus did. You could see, you could see why this could be dangerous. And, and if you are, if you are, if your reputation is the, the most important thing for you, then don't do any of this. Don't try to live out the Jesus creed because for Jesus, he said, I don't care what you, literally, I don't care what you say about me, that I'm a glutton, I'm a tailor, whatever. Here's the deal, ready? Judge me by my actions and what happens and, and by these changed lives because it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's all of these people. This, this is, this is this, listen, this is really hard for us because a lot of us, a lot of us, uh, okay, can I be honest with you? No response. Okay, so maybe I, I, I won't be honest with you. No, I'll be honest, okay? A lot of us grew up in church. A lot of you grew up in church. So you don't know what it means to not be in church. Like there was never a time in your life where you're thinking, 
I, I, I think my faith became serious when I was at a certain point, but there was never a time where you were like far from God and you didn't know anything. Like my kids grew up in church, so they're all, for them, they're, like their entire upbringing is in the church and around Jesus and hearing about Jesus. I did not. So for them, even though like for them, they're trying to like have eventually having to figure out faith and make it their own and decide for themselves what they want to do, they still are living a pretty good life. They still have like, they haven't really done much. And for a lot of us who grew up in church, this is really hard to think about living a sin, quote unquote sinful life and what that looks like. And it's almost sort of a, how, I don't know, I don't want to hang out with them because like, I just can't imagine, why would they do that? And then there's others of us, like myself, who became a Christian later, and I'm going, no, you don't understand. Everyone I knew was living this sinful life. I didn't have a single, like any good influences that were over me, other than like people that I knew that went to church that eventually kind of got me into it, which I'm so grateful. But, but all the people I hung out with, like all my friends and all their friends and all their parents and like everyone was like doing sinful stuff that we would say, ooh, that, oh, oh, don't go over there. Don't do that. Listen, one of, the, one of the funny things that I talk about with the staff, especially those who grew up in church, like I, I, have, a, I have a whole missing like Christian culture like, air, like, like timeline in my life. And so they'll bring up stuff that I should know, but I don't. Like Carmen. <laughs> right? Or like uh, the, the salty, the, what is it? Salt. Salt. So, so look at that. Salty the singing songbook. If you know who Salty the singing songbook is, you probably grew up in church. For me, I'm, I, I remember hearing that going like, they call him Salty? Really? It's like, a, What? So I have a whole gap, and we have, it's really funny when we do these things, because they'll talk about the shows that they watch, and the shows they weren't allowed to watch, and they're not allowed to watch shows, is like our family shows, like that's the things we watched, all of those, all of the don't watch this, is like, oh man, that was, that was Friday night for us, like that was, I remember that, that was great. So like for me, I totally understand, I totally understand a life apart from Jesus, and just doing your own thing. And as Christians, it is really easy to judge that and to say, instead of trying to like, be a part of that, like Jesus did, we just say, ah, I don't want that to rub off on me or I can't believe they would do that. What frustrates me more than, more than anything is when we expect non-Christians to act like Christians. When we think, when, we, when you think your non-Christian neighbor should do the things you're doing and, and should live the way you live and should have the same morality that you have, but you have Jesus and they don't, it is such a leap. And when we say that, ready for this? Here's what we're saying. Jesus doesn't make a difference in your life because he should be able to do the same thing I'm doing. If, what they're, if he could just change his ways like I have, then he would be so much better. And you're go, I, I'm hearing this and I'm going, yeah, but... But don't you have, okay, don't you have a thing called the Holy Spirit in you? Don't you have Jesus in your life? Like, hasn't he transformed you and made you different and now you do that stuff? Like, like you live because you're empowered by the Spirit. Take that out of you and guess what you have? You have their life. So when Jesus shows up, this is the Pharisee saying, how could you eat with them? And he's going, oh, you guys don't get it. That's who I came for. Who, like, the people Jesus loves are oft, so often the people we avoid. Man, 
And I'm, listen, I'm guilty of this too. I totally am. There are, there's, there's a number of times where I've been like, oh man, especially this. And I, maybe I had just, I, maybe I put this on myself. Maybe it's a, a real thing, but there's a level in which, I'm, which it's like, oh man, I'm a pastor. I can't be seen doing X, Y, Z. Like there's some sort of different standard or level like, oh man, I probably shouldn't go do that because what if someone saw me? And when I, when I say that, I'm like, oh man, that makes me hurt. Because like there was never a time in Jesus' life where he goes, man, if, what if people saw me? What if people saw me eating with that tax collector, that sinner? What if they saw me and started, what if they started calling me names? And he says, I don't care. I came for them. So for you, if you decide to take seriously the Jesus creed and say, all right, I'm gonna love God with all that I am, awesome. And I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself. Okay, ready? It will get messy. When you start loving on people who don't deserve it, who haven't earned it, and other people look at it, why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. Why are you hanging out with them? You say, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to love God and love others. I'm trying to live out my faith. And this is the best way I know how. Ooh, okay. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with loving people as best you can with the hope that, that by chance they'll get into the kingdom, that, that, that they'll become a follower of Jesus because of your ability to show the Father's Abba's love for them. If you obey the Jesus Creed, expect it to get messy. So, Here's what we're gonna do, ready? We're gonna end with one more reminder. Here it is, ready? We're gonna memorize the Jesus Creed and then, you remember this, your homework? So your homework last week, if you did it or not, is your homework this week to recite it in the morning and in the evening. When you wake up, when you go to bed, just, just by yourself, with yourself, or if, you, you know, if you're with, with your spouse or with your kids or however you wanna do it, but that, that you remind yourself daily, all right, Lord, love the Lord your God with all. Okay, I want to love you today. Love your neighbors yourself. All right, Lord, show me one person that I can love today. Put one person in my path that I can love as myself. Whoever that is, whatever that is, just, just make it clear. When it shows up, whether it's at work or with a neighbor or with a family or whatever, that, all right, today, Lord, I want, just, I want to love someone else today. So here it is, the Jesus Creed, Okay. Let's say it together, and we're going to pray. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Mm. Awesome. Okay, so. Here's the deal. This is not hard to memorize, right? At this point, you probably have it down. You do this a few times, just on your own, and you got it. And this becomes now a rhythm, a pattern in your life where you say, all right, every day, I'm reminding myself of what Jesus considered literally the greatest commandments. Of all the things in the scripture, he says, these are the best, these are the biggest, these are the most important. So do this. Will you stand with me as we pray and then worship the Lord together? So Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you came for us, 
and you showed us the love of the Father, of our Abba. So help us to understand just how much you love us and how we can, in response, then love other people. Just as, Jesus, you prayed, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, help us. Forgive us as we practice also the art of forgiving others. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen.